0: Hey there, this is Sam Pierovi, founder of Consortium. I want to take a second and thank you for clicking on a link to listen to a podcast you've probably never heard of. And since this is one of our first few episodes, I want to give you a little bit more information on why we're doing this and what the series is going to be about. So as you may or may not know, we are a startup, knee deep in startup mode. And our goal is to bring customization to the forefront of fashion and retail. We believe that customization serves all parties involved because customers get to design exactly what they want. The brands that are creating these products get distribution, and retailers don't have to buy massive amounts of inventory. And altogether, this means a much more sustainable retail future for the customers, the brands, and the retailers. And we'll get into all that in the series. So as we plod through these episodes, this series is gonna be a healthy dose of a few things. We'll talk about customization, of course. We'll talk about the grind of creating a startup and working to bring a new concept you know, to fruition. We'll talk to some parties involved, whether it's the brands, whether it's the retailers and the challenges they've faced. And trust me, there have been some good and some really bad efforts in the last few years. And finally, We'll even bring in some people that are somewhat irrelevant to what we do just because it's gonna be fun. Um, Because custom is fun and we like to have a lot of fun. If you've ever happened to pop into one of our stores, you'll notice that there's always drinks on hand because hey, we're having fun. So thanks for being a part of our journey. We're excited to uh, grow with you guys Um, and we're gonna move on to the episode. Thank you. All right. So um, welcome to New York City. Uh, we're going to introduce you guys. Uh, I have Whitney Cathcart here and Vadim Rogovsky from 3D Look. Um, but you know, before I butcher what you guys do, I'm going to let you guys take it. Uh, so Whitney, I'd love to hear what you guys do.
1: Great. I'm uh, Whitney and I'm co-founder of 3D Look here with Vadim, our co-founder original founder and CEO and um, so we are a mobile body scanning technology we use uh, we're an AI powered mobile um, scanning technology and we generate 3D body models and accurate measurements so our ultimate goal is to make data exchange between consumers and the brands and the retailers that they're shopping simple and frictionless and I'll hand it over to Vadim and let him talk a little bit more
2: Thanks. Uh, So I'm excited to be a part of this podcast and uh, um, yeah, so we need just two photos from any smartphone uh, without any any special hardware to instantly and accurately measure uh, human body to extract more than 20 measurements. Um, with the accuracy within two, three centimeters and to generate an accurate 3D model. And uh, so our technology is unique just because we can measure dressed people. No one else can measure dressed people. And we do that in 10, 15 seconds.
0: That's uh, pretty cool. So, um, you know, I'm actually in the customization world, so I uh, have a pretty decent understanding of what you guys do, can always learn more. But uh, we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of Um, What that all means from the average consumer's perspective uh, and hopefully the retailers get it. But so uh, you guys actually just said something that I didn't know. I believe um, the origin of the company, Vadim, were you the original founder? And then so how did that happen?
1: So um, yeah, so Vadim um, had this concept several years ago. His background is well, mobile technology, mobile marketing, and he was wanted to solve a big problem using computer vision, and knew that there were big problems in retail with return rates. So um, I think that was the inception of the um, the technology, and um, we have two more technical co-founders: um, our VP of Engineering and our CTO. Um, and I met um, the three of them about a year and a half, year and about 18 months ago. I was actually um, looking at fit technologies for a client. I have a background in uh, manufacturing and, um, and retail. I've spent almost 30 years in the industry. And I was looking at what does the future of this industry look like and looking at, you know, kind of the entire ecosystem and supply chain from you know, product creation, 3D product development, um, robotics and manufacturing, and and what would like the future look like. So one of those, um, one of the technologies I was looking into was FIT. And I met Vadim and I really liked the tech and even though it wasn't fully baked, the product at the time, he had this vision of what it was gonna be. And um, for me, it was pretty simple. I was like, if you actually can build this, do you even understand the right. ramifications, how transformational this is? Not only do the consumer journey from the e-commerce side, but really where you um, you begin to think about how do we really fix fit and sizing issues, and that's at the product creation and product development level. So for me, it was about, um, Putting a mobile, a scanning technology into the palm of the consumer's hand, and letting them have the power to be able to share body data with brands and manufacturers in an anonymous way, um, and so brands and manufacturers can do a better job at creating product that fits the people that is that are actually walking into their store and buying their products online.
0: Yeah, you've already tapped into so many things that I think are relevant to us at Consortium. Um, everything from you know return rates uh, to you know the AI. Um, I'll, I'll tap into that real quick. Um, uh, actually, let me come back to that. Um, so, y- d- there's a lot of apps out there and a lot of non-app technologies out there. Some do scanning. Some have more of a data layer. Um, in that chain, kind of just walk us through from a very front end consumer who has a cell phone and an app and takes these pictures of themselves. And then what happens to those pictures um, when they get to the brand or the retailer? Uh, Where does it go? How does it get modified? Uh, Whatever you can tell me about that. And what I'm really trying to get into here is, um, obviously you guys have a handful of competitors and complementary companies. Kind of figure out what your guys' real niche is and where you excel. Um, uh,
2: sure. Uh, so uh, w- we believe that uh, u- ultimate success here is uh, a, a combination of a uh, uh, user experience that should be very, I mean, the the, the fastest one, the, the the most seamless one, and uh, o- of course core technology. So we have been investing into user experience uh, the same amount of resources and time as we did into uh, with with core technology and. Uh, Um, So, like, our niche is, uh, uh, like, uh, to be the leader and industry standard in um, consumer-facing size recommendations and virtual dressing Um, um, for smartphones, like, uh, mobile, leading mobile-first solution for uh, size and fit recommendation and virtual dressing. And we believe that the easiest way to get it especially for younger millennials, Generation Z, is to upload photos, uh, especially if you are dressed and you don't need to put any effort here, uh, rather than inputting some information like in true fit-like experience. For for example, when you need to recall what other brands do you wear and what size there do you have, and there you have a bias because you can just uh, input some wrong information. Uh, and uh, just answering the first part of your question, what happens with photos, actually, um, after a user uploads uh, uploads or makes two photos, front and side, uh, right in, in the retailer's mobile app or website, u- using our SDK or, or widget, Uh, The photos are, so we automatically blur faces and backgrounds. So it means that photos are automatically depersonalized.
0: That's great, because I was going to ask you that question.
2: Yes. And (laughs) then the photos are being instantly sent to the cloud. And it takes like up to one second, up to one, two seconds to process the photos in the cloud. And after that, they are instantly removed. uh, So we don't store photos. We keep only uh, body data, which is measurements, body shapes, 3D models. We use it... um, for uh, deep learning for example but we don't keep photos at all and uh, this year we have a, a very important milestone in the roadmap to transfer all the processing to actual mobile device which means that um, photos won't e- even uh, be uploaded to the cloud they will be processed right on a smartphone that's awesome and uh, i i mean we, we, we won't even need to blur anything
0: yeah because i uh you know getting into the privacy uh obviously you know I'm one of those consumers. That I just don't care. I'm not worried about it, but a lot of people yeah, do. Like um, and you know, the reality is, that, and the privacy comes from so many different angles. You know, so let me just kind of. Uh, I want to kind of summarize what you said. And if I'm wrong on any point, just clarify for me. So it's a consumer-facing app, right? It's on uh, iOS and Android, both. Okay. So customer downloads an app. They take a picture, two pictures, one from the front and one from the side, and then your guys' software, first and foremost, um, it, it uploads it to the cloud right now, and then it blurs out the face, okay, and the background, and, the background, and then it takes the measurements in the cloud. And then once it does that, it, you guys only store the measurements and the photo itself, the two photos. Are they deleted or? Yeah, the
2: photos are completely uh, removed. We, we only store body data, I mean, body profiles. It's, uh, uh, so we, we collect uh, obviously like measurements, body shape, 3D model, device, uh, mobile device, geolocation, but we don't collect any, uh, any personal information. Got
0: it, so you guys are actually handling the privacy concerns from multiple angles. Not only are you blurring the face or any identifying background information, you're also deleting the picture, period. And you're taking it a step further. And actually, I was gonna ask you guys about this. Whitney, I was gonna ask you before we even started the the taping, I was gonna ask, is this done uh, in a cloud server or on the mobile? Um, And it sounds like right now it's on the cloud server, but very soon, you guys, uh, the computing will actually happen on the phone itself. So, you know, completely uh, no concern. Now, uh, if a a phone is actually offline or in airplane mode, um, it'll still be able to process? Uh,
2: for now, uh, for now not, you need uh, a stable internet connection, but uh, as soon as we transfer everything to, to, to a mobile device, it, of course, it would be possible. Got it.
0: So it's fully, fully disconnected. Yes. Right. And that's going to really alleviate any privacy concerns, which a few people will have always.
1: Yeah, and one thing I also want to clarify is that, um, so right now we're actually, we're B2B enterprise solution. So um, the consumer would um, land on a product page. So if she say shopping at Macy's, she would land on a product page and she would be um, prompted to upload a front and side photo of herself and then a fit recommendation would be made based on her body data and based on the data behind the garment. And or there could be a virtual dressing application, um, but there is right now. It's not a consumer app, so it's not like the consumer downloads a 3D look app. So if the if the retailer or the brand doesn't have an app, we are we have an um, API, so we'll feed into their you know website. So um, in most cases, we would be you know white labeled essentially. Um, And so while we certainly have down the road in our roadmap, um, we think there's great value in a B2C app. Right now, we're an enterprise play, so we are a B2B solution.
0: That's uh, awesome, because you know, we're kind of at that same threshold where we are beginning to focus on the B2B side as well and partnering with other retailers to sell custom products rather than just ourselves doing it.
1: And I think um, going back to your other question too about some of the other competition, uh, you know, a lot of the data that's collected on consumers is, you know, for the most part, it's all behavioral data, right? So it's my past purchasing history and, you know, I'm going to Mexico next week and I'm gonna buy a green bathing suit. The one piece of it and the piece that we feel our technology um, fits into that real holistic consumer profile is what we call physiometric data, which is the body shape and the body measurement data. And when you add that physiometric data to the behavioral data, you really create a total holistic profile of the consumer. And that is... Um, that's what we give to retailers is the physiometric piece that's missing so while there are other solutions out there that are great at capturing behavioral data knowing my past purchasing habits and what colors i buy and what size i buy in this brand and that brand that's very different than actual body shape and body measurement data and we compute eight different data points. So we really, in our body profiles, create a very rich, deep layer of this physiometric data that fits right into that behavioral data profile.
0: Got it, okay, so and then when you guys capture the data and, you know, highly accurate, you, you mentioned that you can actually do it with clothes on, which is a wrinkle that I did not know. Uh, so I'm really interested to hear about that. Um, but the second thing I want to ask you about is once you have that data and you begin to apply, you know, what brand, how somebody would fit into a specific brand, everybody has different preferences, whether they like things to fit loose or tight or real tight. <laughs> um, so that there's a whole science behind that. I want to see how you guys are attacking that.
1: So I'll answer the second part, and then I'll let Vadim answer the first part of it. Um, so on the second piece, um, and you know, I've I've had design teams roll up to, into me for a long time. If you think about how does the designer design right she designs to a customer that um you know she hopes is shopping her brand or the retailer or the brand have identified who they think their average customer is but imagine now if you had all this data about actually what the consumer looks like who's shopping your brand not just what total millennials in new york city look like versus los angeles for example but who is shopping in my store, you begin to think about how you're designing differently. And that is the power of of this technology, is giving the design and product development teams the data that they've actually never had before to begin to think about, am I building product for a consumer that doesn't even shop my store? Or am I missing a size or a body shape? So it's really about identifying the white space, and our goal is to be able to give this, capture the data, and then funnel it back to the brands and the retailers so that we can build um, rich insights and metadata on top of it. And then to the, um, you talk about neural networks and and, um, body contour and identifying under
2: clothing. Sure. Um, Yeah, so since the very beginning, we wanted to unlock this uh, huge opportunity to measure dressed people. Um, and uh, uh, so uh, it's uh, it's possible for us because one of the core elements of our technology is uh, convolutional neural networks so basically they are trained on a big proprietary data set of photos of people I mean on front and side photos of people uh, wearing different garments on different backgrounds which means that um, uh, after we trained so after this training uh, for more, than like for for since we started, we were always <laughs> we were collecting new data, labeling it, training and training again, so optimizing, and uh, now our neural networks can really understand where the body is uh, actually located under the garment better than the human eye. So. Um, and that's why, I mean, that's why we can measure dressed people. But, of course, there is a limitation for now. It's like it works better for uh, w- one-layer garments, just shirts or T-shirts. But uh, we, we want to, to move, to move f- further in this direction and uh, to be able to measure people uh, uh, wearing just anything in, in, in the future.
0: That's really cool. So when your guys' technology moves from being cloud-based to being mobile phone-based, Will an indi- individual phone have enough computing power and processing power to run that? Uh,
2: that's a good question. So uh, we, 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 we already have some internal prototypes. We tested it. So of course, there would be some limitations. And uh, I think it, it would work well on the latest uh, Samsung, uh, Huawei, and Apple devices. But of course, uh, I mean, that likely won't work on iPhone 4 or, or 5 or something like that. Yeah.
0: Uh, I'll ask a question. So Whitney asked, will 5G, what will be the implications of 5G? Obviously, it's helping your transfer power, or does that not matter once you're fully on the phone?
2: Once we transfer to the device, it won't matter for us. Interesting,
0: okay. So uh, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about kind of why that's so relevant for us. So when we start a consortium, you know, custom suits and custom shirts fairly commoditized. Uh, A lot of people are doing it. who didn't have retail uh, distribution was all these other custom brands that do handbags and watches and fragrance and lingerie and custom jeans so that's you know who we started to work with we started to focus on the accessories brands because we wanted to avoid that sizing issue but as we started going down the path we just really quickly saw how big the need was for the outlier fit right whether you're small or very big those are the people who come into the store and they you know they go bonkers over the fact that they can get a pair of custom jeans. Um, Right now, the way we're doing it with our brands, any brand in here that requires custom fit, such as the lingerie, shirts, jeans, shoes, all our brands have a, a remake policy. And this is something we require of them. So if a customer orders a pair of custom jeans, three, four weeks later they get it, if it doesn't fit right, that brand will remake that product at their cost. And the reason they're doing it is they're basically saying, look, we're willing to give up the margin on that first sale because by doing the remake, you lose your margin. But on the other hand, uh, now you have a customer who's an outlier who can't find jeans somewhere. Now we have a size and he's happy and they'll reorder. Where I think that gets really interesting with you guys is your technology could not only help the customer get the product right the first time, but it could actually help the brand not lose their margin on remakes
1: so that's awesome and it's a conversation that we have internally all the time because inclusivity inclusive sizing is not only is it an opportunity but it's something that should be addressed Um, and we hope that the ability to generate a model and give somebody who falls in some of those outlier sizes the ability to share body data without having to like strip down to be naked because our technology you don't have to strip down to your bra and underwear be naked like some of the other Mm -hmm. scanning products out there. So it gives, and you know, for a lot of people, they don't want to take a picture of themselves so what our technology enables is for somebody to be able to number one do a selfie at home because you can our technology works in selfie mode you just need a full-length mirror so that we can see your head and your feet but you can be dressed and if we generate that 3d model a a brand like that particularly if they're using a 3d product development software can actually fit that denim on the 3D model, so they can actually customize it in 3D before they make it. They could share it back with the consumer and say this is what it's gonna look like on you. Do you like it like this? And make changes before a garment is even cut. So when you think about sustainability feeds into this too, right, because you're making less samples that aren't gonna be used, that go into the landfill, Number one, there are less returns that what happens to all those returns, they end up in a big, you know, dump down in Haiti and all those fumes go into the into the atmosphere. I mean, there's so many ways technology like this and and you know what you're doing on offering customization that they work together. And that I think over the next 10 years we have the ability as companies like yourself scale and our technology scales and the consumer you know becomes more comfortable with it we have a real ability I think to um, to kind of hit how do you handle an inclusive sizing number one and how do we begin to think about making a dent into our you know the sustainability factor <coughs>
0: Uh, absolutely so we uh, we did a video shoot a couple days ago in here for a uh, upcoming Kickstarter shameless plug please go buy stuff from us Um, one of the data points that we finally narrowed down onto was the fact that um, you know fast fashion production waste what how much of that before a customer even sees it uh, ends up in a landfill and i uh, the number to me was just absolutely appalling it's 15 billion tons annually ends up straight in the landfill and never even hits a shelf so yeah. the second number that we saw which you know was less relevant to us is how much consumers waste um the annual waste that consumers you know throw away of clothes is actually 90 billion tons annually so 15 billion never 15 billion tons never hits a shelf the other 75 is just you know easily discarded um, items that people just don't care about because it was a $10 sweatshirt from, you know, I'm not going to name anybody, but you know who the big fast fashion players are where that becomes really interesting for us. um, Even beyond saving that is when a customer customizes a product and it was made one off for them, you have a relationship with that product. And we see this every single day with every customer that, get so excited about even creating their own custom fragrance or whatever it may be or you know a shirt or jeans or whatever. When people custom create something for themselves, they love it, they take better care of it. They have a lower propensity to just discard it. So customization from what we're doing and from what you guys are doing uh, is going to lower, you know landfill waste drastically. And uh, I honestly think this is just getting started. I mean, I understand why fast fashion happened over the last 30, 40 years. It was a function of just getting as many goods out there. Consumer behavior. Consumer behavior. Advertising. But what's happening now is technologies, whether it's fit technology or customization technology or even production, you know, made to order production technologies, these are enabling brands to merge the old with the new, old school production. you know, one-off handmade with new school technologies that allow for that to be at a lower price point. And something we talk about a lot is democratizing customization. It's just the idea of custom shoes shouldn't be $2,000 anymore, now they should be $500. And it's a full custom fit, perfect for you, you design it. Um, And when you start to bring the price point down and get it to a place where more people can afford it, as the masses slowly move towards the custom and made to order model, and away from the inventory model, the sustainability uh, drastically improves.
1: And also touching on to one of your points too, I think you know we're bringing up a new generation, Gen Z's as they come into spending power. They are growing up in a world where where all of this is really meaningful to them. What are they eating? What kind of products are destroying the world? And clothing and apparel, they have much more an awareness Absolutely. of what this industry has done to their world than any previous generation. There are recent statistics out that Gen Z is willing to wait longer and pay more for customized product. I see it in my own kids. Um, so I do think it's, it, you know, it's all emergent, but its it's the right timing, and we have a um, we have a population that are, you know, shortly coming into real buying power here, and they will help drive that, this revolution.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, millennials, Gen Z, everybody's changing consumer demand. It's funny because when you, if you watch industry and trade reporting, you'll see everybody, you know, talking pro and con about both sides. One day it's everybody wants everything now, and this is why Amazon's succeeding. One day it's Amazon's not succeeding because you can't wait a day. So I mean you hear both sides of everything. The reality is it's an enormous market and I think uh, there's room for a lot of companies to do a lot of different things. It's it's all about a shift. And the younger mindset is, I am willing to wait for something quality and good because I don't want to be part of what has happened the last 20, 30, 40 years and the waste and um, consumer behavior that d- created a lot of, not only the retail problems, but a lot of the economic problems that we've seen. So.
1: It is a mind shift, and technology is enabling it, and the tech just wasn't there years ago. So it's, you know, consumer buy-in and and combination of consumer buy-in and also technology being ready and enabling a lot of the, um, you know, transformation that we're seeing. Yeah.
0: Um, One last thing I'd like to get into is... You guys, you know, when we initially started talking, I I said this was more of a consumer app, but you guys corrected me and told me that you guys are working more B2B. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about some of the brands you're working with, uh, some of the retailers you're working with? Um, And then the next layer on the retailer side, uh, I would love to hear how those integrations have gone, what challenges you guys have faced, what was easy to get over, not easy to get over.
2: So, uh, assuming that 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 it's a, that it's a uh, it's a publicly available um, podcast, I won't be able to share maybe any big names uh, because <laughs> we signed o- all this uh, stuff w- with them. But I, ca- I, I can just tell you ma- maybe the profiles of the of the clients that we typically yeah, work well with. Yeah, well, tell me
0: some of the brands first.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I just mean
0: that. Uh, Um, Got it. So you can't can't share share it. 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 Okay. Okay. Yeah, but
2: uh, I I I I can just tell you how how it happens. Maybe like the the flow. So it starts from uh, um, obviously from demo, then um, like POC uh, proof of concept or testing. So they take our showcase mobile app. uh, They just get maybe 10 20 employees or fit models. They just they scan them. They they look at uh, measurements. They look at size recommendations. Um, uh, after they are fine with it, uh, we go into commercial pilot, and uh, there uh, we create for them we create a white label app for for, for them, uh, or we give them SDK or or API to implement that into their mobile app or website, and then they. T- they, um, they, they distribute this uh, 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 among let's say thousands of consumers of some particular segment of their audience to, ta- to take some to take uh, like uh, to collect numbers on conversion rates returns etc etc and uh, so now we are on the stage of commercial pilots already with a bunch of uh, very big companies w- last year was a year of pocs testings we, ler- we, ler- we learned a lot And uh, this year, we are going to deploy mm, multiple, I mean, um, full integrations, like fully commercial integrations. Uh, And uh, mostly, we target three segments. First of all, it's uniform manufacturers. Then it's multi-brand retailers and fast fashion segment.
0: Got it. Okay. Um, That makes sense. And then... Have you, you know, with the multi-brand retailers, which is something we are now focusing on as well, um, in any scenario, has it been your own app that they're using, or is it always integrated into their technology?
2: It's always in- integrated. So we are now we 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 decided to power other. We decided to, to I mean to power uh, other businesses with our solutions. So so I mean, we provide them with API with a- SDK to implement it's usually it's white labeled if it's a big uh, client
0: yeah. got it, okay, see, I just learned something <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I, I imagine that there'll be a day where a consumer has their phone and it's almost like a digital passport of all their body data, and it, a lot needs to happen on the retail segment, but imagine just. Walking into a store and scanning the garment and being able to see it on yourself in augmented reality, and that future is actually very close.
0: Uh, I agree. I think one of one of one of the goals we have is because we work across so many different brands, uh, is to um, house that sizing for our customers, um, and we're taking the view that you know if a customer wants to be, be a part of the customization movement and buy from one of our suit brands and one of our shirt brands that. If we house that information for them, that, and obviously it's their information, that uh, as long as we have their permission, that it's really not an issue and it helps them.
1: Right, and the biggest flip in retail that's happened is that you know back in the day, certainly when I started in the industry, we had all the power, right? We decided what people were gonna wear in June and what colors we were gonna ship in the fall, (laughs) and everybody would wear mustard and olive, and then at Christmas we'd ship red. But it, the technology has has made that shift upside down, and that's turned retail upside down because the consumer has all the power. So imagine now when the consumer has the power of being able to share actual body data to get and then work with companies like you guys are, are enabling to actually then have real customized product made for them. It just yeah. it it hits kind of the entire ecosystem.
0: I'm going to ask one last question. Uh, you know, not really technical, but. I, you mentioned a reduction of returns. So um, my my data point from what I know about most multi-brand retailers uh, or across retail in general is that it's about 12% return rate, which is, I think, astronomical, and I think you're telling me that it's probably higher. Mm. And, you know, what's amazing in, in our pop-up and, you know, we've been on a one-year pop-up tour, uh, we're actually about a half a percent return rate. One of the reasons for that, we don't allow returns, (laughs) right? So that's the easy part. Uh, But the real answer to it is that customers know that when they're customizing something, there is no return. The only time there's a return is if there's a remake. Mm. And remakes are very, very low. Um, I'd say averaged across all our brands, it's in the low, low single digits. So, you know, and again, that goes right back to cutting out waste. And it goes back to uh, improving, you know, retail margins. So, um, you know, in subsequent podcasts, we're going to keep talking about, you know, why we think customization is the wave of the future for retailers. But obviously, you guys see that, and we see that. So I love that.
1: Well, we think that, you know, this concept of try before you buy will help returns. They're way, way higher than 12%. That feels like an in-store brick-and-mortar number. E-commerce, we know, is, you know, depending on product can be, and depending on who it is, can be, you know, from 40 to 70, 80 percent. I mean, it's high, much, much higher than 12 percent. Um, you know, I think ultimately we look at our technologies uh, way to reduce return rates because we're helping consumers do a better job of, of understanding what it is they're buying before they purchase it we've created a monster with returns. I mean, we've just made returning too easy. And right. you can't really take that away now that you've given it to the consumer. So how we think about how to use technology now that you've got these return policies in place and you can't take them away. How, do we, how does our technology sit on top of that and help consumers feel more confident that what they're buying on the front end is actually going to fit them? And again, that all funnels back to how are you making product in the very beginning?
0: Yeah, uh, to me, I consider that the Zappos factor. I've always had the feeling they were the first ones that enabled customers to just buy three and return two, and then people just started doing it everywhere, and now people start doing it in retail, and it was always happening. I think it's just become more prevalent. So, um, well, I actually want to hear about what you guys are doing in New York and what are your plans for the next couple of days, And
1: uh, yeah, because you didn't
0: come here for the uh, below-zero weather.
1: It's actually kind of nice from California. I grew up here. Um, So yeah, we're here um, meeting with clients and um, meeting with some of our venture capital um, partners and hope to be partners. And um, we've got a really full schedule this week and early next week. And then we'll be back out in California. And Vadim's kind of very global right now. He's, I think, heading to Barcelona. Is that correct? And then to China, yes. And then to China. so hustling the yeah, hustling the it's, it's hustling. the life of, of a startup right yeah. so <laughs> but thank you for having us I'm, we I'm really appreciate we it. it and it's awesome what you're doing and and you know we hope we see partnerships like this as being part of the future
0: i 100 percent agree so congratulations on everything you guys have done and uh you know our technologies kind of all need to band together to help push this whole movement forward, so.
1: I think collaboration is a big word of the future in an industry that's traditionally been pretty siloed. I think the future of it is collaboration. Well, thanks, guys. So thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: Hey, and we recognize that that episode may have been so captivating that you forgot about what we discussed at the beginning of the episode. So we're here to remind you Our Kickstarter is actually live for a couple more weeks, and we would really appreciate your support. If you get a chance, please go take a look at these custom and interchangeable belts. They will change your life, we swear. Uh, The link is cstm.style forward slash kspodcast. That's the link to the Kickstarter, not the podcast. But again, that link is cstm.style forward slash kspodcast. And we look forward to bringing you a lot more episodes. So please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you.